busy city, hello. Hello. Am I right in thinking you didn't go to Edinburgh this year? Yeah, I did go up just to visit for a week, but I didn't do a show this year. Was that quite nice? Or? It was, it was nice in a way. It was really weird when I first got up to Edinburgh because I went up in the last week and everyone was kind of like half dead going, oh, I can't be bothered with my show anymore. And I was like, hey, hi guys, let's have a beer. And they were like, oh. So I felt a bit guilty at first. I wasn't doing a show, but then I just started drinking and everything was okay. How come you decided not to go? I couldn't go because of Peep Show. Yeah. Okay, so you played Dobby and Peep Show. We'll come back to that because I want to ask you about a bunch of other stuff first. So you got to that through doing stand-up. Well, doing stand-up and you sing songs. Yeah. You started doing them at school. Were you like a bit of a Serrano de Bergerac at school for your friend? I'm briefly interrupting to let you know that I'm Marsha from yesyesmarsha.com and this is from a series of interviews that I did from 2009 to 2011 called Marsha Meets, which were long-form interviews with stand-up comedians that eventually inspired the book Off the Mic, the world's best stand-up comedians get serious about comedy. That book's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. Back to the interview. Were you like a bit of a Serrano de Bergerac at school for your friends? No, I started playing the guitar when I was about 11 and then my mates used to commission me to write like love songs about guys at school so it was always easier if they had surnames that rhymed with a lot of things but we used to like properly take it quite seriously like I'd spend a couple of days writing the song and then I'd teach it to my mate and then we'd record it on my tape recorder and then we'd like leave it in their bags during assembly like anonymously so I don't even know what we expected <laughs> to come out of it because they were anonymous anyway that probably always knew it was ours. But they would recognise your voice presumably? Well I would never sing it because I was like teaching it to them but I was probably in the background going no it's G, it's G. And did it work? No, it never worked. Oh. I know. And then once we went and hung around at the end of a, like an alleyway where one of them lived for like two hours to deliver a cassette tape. And his mum came out and said, I think it's time to go home. <laughs> did he say anything at school? No, he didn't even come out. That day he didn't come out of the house. We saw him at the top window. Um, no, they didn't. He used to just scurry away when they saw us at school. So, no, I was a freak. Have you ever heard back from any of them, though? There's not been anyone that have seen you on the telly and gone, oh, yeah, she used to write songs for me. No, I haven't seen any of them, but I'd love it if they did. <laughs> Maybe I could marry one of them and it would be all gone full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, then you did singing and you kind of did it seriously at first. I tried to do it seriously. I went to drama school in Guildford. Then when I graduated from there, I sort of did a few kids' plays. One was called Frog in Love and I played a frog, a duck and a rat and a frog fell in love with a duck and it was about like interracial relationships and saying that's okay and also saying it's okay to be gay and that was a really cool show it was a lot of fun and then I did another kids show but then I thought ah you know what I need to try and start generating my own work as well so I did try and do serious songs and um I used to go to a lot of open mic nights in London but I'm really into people like Frank Zappa and I think then especially I was more influenced by them um and um, like I had this song about a businessman who used to smear himself with a fry up every time he went to sleep and it wasn't anything dodgy he just was really lonely and he used to put like a black pudding under his armpit and like put his head on this pillow of scrambled eggs and stuff so I used to go to these quite serious song nights where people would be getting up and going my girlfriend left me na, 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 na. then I'd get up and do this song and people would be like what are you 
what are you, seriously? But do you know what? I've been to some of those song nights. I've got a lot of fledgling singer friends and I would be so happy to see someone like you. At the oh, thank can, you. Well, I suppose I any variety. That, You'd yeah, be happy exactly. to see a juggler, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can get a bit relentless. And actually, the problem is, I think, because a lot of them are cut from the same cloth, you actually can't see who's good sometimes because you've listened to two hours of songs that start in A minor or whatever. Well, that's nice. I wish you'd been there at the time. But <laughs> So you didn't get that reaction from... Some people did used to laugh. In the end, what happened was I just sort of thought, oh, this is quite the right medium. Because my voice never sounded good when I was singing those songs. I was always thinking about how my voice sounded, thinking about the technical side of it. And then when I started doing comedy songs, I stopped thinking about how my voice sounded. And then, ironically, I think it sounds better now as a result of that. So that was a weird thing, but... I did the gay circuit before I did the comedy circuit. I went in for this gay competition in Tottenham Hale, like on a roundabout, um, not on a roundabout, in, in a gay club that's next to a roundabout. And um, I had a song about cooking Jamie Oliver then, because that was before he sort of became cool and did the school dinners thing. And I had a song about Jerry Halliwell's dog and how much it didn't like Jerry, but it couldn't tell her that it didn't like her. And um, I won that competition and um, I think I won like, £100 and then I was supposed to get a grand's worth of gigs on the gay circuit but then I was dying so hard in these gay venues. Oh really? Because I would have thought that would, you know, it's quite cabaret and... Maybe now but at the time I was still really like in singer-songwriter mode so I sort of go on and go like, hi um, yeah, I'm just going to do a song about Jerry Halliwell's dog. So it never like, I just should have gone and gone, hi, which is what I do now but at the time I just didn't know who I was on stage I guess and some of the venues were like I got to one there was no mic stand and we had to gaffer tape the mic to a stool and I had to sit on a stool so the mic was like at the same level as my elbow so I had to like oh yeah it was that's good so you didn't end up doing the thousand pounds worth no I think I did about 25 pounds worth and then they phoned me up and went um Izzy we think maybe it might be better to part ways and I was like yeah 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 definitely and then I went on to the naughty circuit. And then how did that go at the beginning? Well, I booked in my first gig and I decided not to do songs for a year because I thought I don't want to rely on them. I want to learn how to be a stand-up. So although that was really hard, I think it was the right thing to do. So I booked my first gig and I booked five minutes in a pub in Greenwich in South London. And um, I went to my cousin's wedding the weekend before and I'd written this set, but I was so nervous that I ducked out of the whole reception and went up to my hotel room and just rehearsed this set again and again and again. And then um, it got to the gig and I had three tequilas before I went on. And there were like five people in the gig. There was like two builders and I think three like Germans. So it was hard. But that was a sight that I would definitely get used to over the coming months. Little did I know at the time. And there were so many gigs that you do when you start off that was like sometimes there's like one or two people, but it still goes ahead. And that's really cool because it's just so exciting. Like you get addicted to doing it and it's brilliant. When it is someone like that, if I go to a comedy show and I'm one of a tiny handful of people there, um, I will laugh my head off because I find it quite traumatic. But generally do people or do they kind of sit and stare at you? I think it depends. Sometimes, I think generally people are supportive if they see that there's hardly anyone there and also they sense that you haven't been doing it for very long so it'd be pretty harsh if they sat there and just didn't laugh. But then sometimes people do. Sometimes I'm amazed people come in on their own with like a Sainsbury's bag you don't know what's in it and they just sit at the back and don't, and you think, why are you here? Like, what's your story? But at that gig in Greenwich, I kind of loved it. I really got, even though it didn't go amazingly well, it went okay 
okay like bits of it went well and bits of it went badly but I sort of became addicted immediately I think that happens to a lot of people and there's a whole sort of open mic circuit in London where you don't necessarily get any money but you just all have this shared love of comedy and you just love doing it and it was a really fun time of my life so you did that doing straight stand-up yeah and then I started doing the songs maybe after a year I think yeah dug out the old Jerry Halliwell and Jamie Oliver songs but then the problem was that Jamie Oliver started to come into public favour so I had to do it at every gig so I was aware it had a real like the problem about writing songs about celebrities is that you really hope that they don't either die or change their profile dramatically and so the song doesn't make sense anymore and then you went to Edinburgh you did the comedy zone was that the first time you went up no I'd been up to watch since I was a kid my dad's from Edinburgh but the first show that I did in Edinburgh was in 2003 I did that show about the frog and the duck and that was a lot of fun and I'd just started doing stand-up then so I did a few open mic gigs and in 2004 I did this show called Amuse Moose Hot Starlets which is like new acts and then the first full run I did of comedy was in 2005. And that was the Comedy Zone, which is this kind of, sort of famously, there's a lot of comics who've done it. It's, I guess, Avalon's, his are four best new comedians and mm. a lot who've gone on to go and do really amazing things from that. And so did it feel quite buzzy at that point? Yeah, although Edinburgh's like a really long festival and you sort of, I was excited to be doing the show and it was a prestigious thing to do, but it also taught me a lot about what stand-up I did and didn't want to do and that room is quite tough at weekends it becomes full of stag and hen nights and one of the most important lessons I learned that festival was that ideally I do gigs that aren't like that just because of what I do and there are acts that are brilliant at doing that and you know everyone's got their skills but it was a really important learning curve for me so it wasn't the easiest month in the world at all but it was really important that I did it. If you've got a gig like that do you have any kind of backup Will you change your material a bit? If someone comes in and you think, oh God, it's full of stag and Hindus, but here, I'll do the jokes about this. No, not really, because you don't have... Well, I and my friends don't have, like, a box of jokes that are suitable for stag nights and a box of jokes that are suitable for, like, Slovenians or whatever. But I suppose you might change your demeanour a bit or chat to them, like, if they're being a bit chatty at the beginning. I did a gig the other day in Leicester Square and um, there was about 18 guys on a stag night who were all dressed as sailors, and I was like... Oh my god. But then I started chatting to them and they were really nice. And so, you know, it's also that thing of just getting used to going, okay, that's cool. And also, the good thing about the zone is that I had some really horrible deaths there for the first time. And dying in a really big room is really important for you to learn what you are and to do that and come off and go, wow, that was horrible, but I'm still alive. What have I learned? And I think it's really part of the process of growing into what you want to do and it keeps you on your toes. But in the zone, one of the worst nights was when a guy paid me 20 quid to get off the stage. Did you take it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I know. But I suppose if you have those experiences, then they toughen you up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, with the kind of stuff that you do, you often talked about about being in this sort of scene of people like Robin Ince. I know you've done his book club and Josie Long. And I know that journalists and people always want to categorise people, but there does seem to be a scene and it's a slightly different kind of comedy. And one of the things that I love about it is it's not mean. 
that you go and it's kind of stuff that's funny but it's not it doesn't have to be being horrible about other people in order to be funny yeah but it feels as well like because there is a scene people will go to gigs who expect that sort of thing and does it feel easier in terms of that yeah i think it does and i think that's why it's good to not just do those gigs but also go to st albans and do a gig in a hotel where people haven't heard of robin or do you know what i mean because i think there's a danger with any scene isn't there that it will eat itself in the sense that if you keep doing gigs where people bring cakes and there are fairy lights then maybe your sphere becomes slightly sort of narrower so they are the gigs that i love doing but i think it's good to have a variety also it never felt like we purposefully set out to do that it's just that i'm quite an optimistic person and i don't really like to spend time thinking about how like i don't know just slagging people off or i just prefer to do pottery or learn street dancing so i think that all that kind of comes across in what I do. Not that I do street dancing in my act, but I intend to within the next four years. And then you started doing radio stuff. You've done tons of radio stuff. Yeah, I suppose I've done a bit now. Yeah, I did um, just finish Lawrence and Goss Hearts and Minds on Radio 4. And that was a lot of fun. And then you did a thing on Radio 1 as well, a milk run. Yeah. yeah, that was like a late night show. And it was a really good opportunity for new comics to get stuff on the radio. Because before that, I'd never written for the radio. I hadn't been on the radio. Radio was just not a medium that I was in any way familiar with. And um, the milk run just gave reasonably new comics who'd only been going for like a year or two the opportunity to have sketches performed on Radio 1 and for, for us to do it ourselves and it was really really great it was a lot of fun and you know I made a lot of friends through doing it and we're still really good mates Who were you on that with? Well me and Josie probably got to me and Josie are best friends now but we probably got to know each other quite well through then that was probably and Andrew O'Neill and Liam Malone it was really cool You did that and then bits of Radio 4 stuff and BBC 7 as well and then TV what was the first TV thing you did because you've done lots of bits and bobs on that The first TV thing I did was in 2001 I played Mary Shelley in a reconstruction of Shelley's life for BBC 2 and it was called The Trouble with Love It was one of those shows that has like a historian walking across a windswept beach going Shelley was born in and then they cut to this and it was so cool like it was quite low budget and we didn't have any writers and we improvised all the scenes but we had like real stuff so for instance there was this scene where Mary Shelley falls in love with Shelley over this at the dinner table with her whole family there and we had like a real chicken and real wine instead of Rivina, and we had to do it all in one shot we had to improvise in the language of that era and not mess it up because we didn't have another chicken so we wouldn't have been able to reset that was great and then I thought all TV must be like that like we did all our own makeup and everything and then the first job that I did with a higher budget I was like oh we get our makeup done by someone else oh there's more than one chicken that sounds like an awesome introduction to it it was really cool and you did talking and playing other characters you you were on CBBC yeah right? you were playing Marie Antoinette yeah I've done Marie Antoinette a chav I think that might have been the same one I think she turned from Marie Antoinette into a chav or something. Yeah, and I just played Sally, a yeti hunter, on the Ed and Outcho show on BBC Two. Do you get any kids recognising you off the back of those? No. I think <laughs> there was one comment on the YouTube clip of Marie Antoinette going, what is Dobby doing playing Marie Antoinette? So it's that way round rather than... <laughs> so Dobby, you started playing Dobby and Peep Show in Series 5. Yes. Had you been a fan of it before? Yeah, big time. It was like a dream. Uh, I couldn't believe it was real, to be honest. I still can't. 
like I think I'll wake up and it was all a dream and I'm still working in odd bins. And the, and one of the first things you did was that you had to make out with Mark in a stationery cupboard. In a stationery cupboard, yeah, but that looks far more, um, it wasn't in any way sexual or remotely erotic. We didn't touch bodies at all. It was all to do with the camera angles. The director said to me before the first take, are oh, you really going to have to properly go for this? Because if anyone doesn't know the scene, Mark comes in to get something from the cupboard, doesn't he? And I'm in there and um, I basically rub my bum on him until something happens. So the director said to me, you're really going to have to go for it because he's not going to do anything because his character, he's kind of just standing still going, oh my God, is this really happening? So I did, I really did go for it. And then she came up to me after the take and went... Okay, um, if you can just pull it back a bit. I was like, oh my God, somewhere there's a take of me trying to think. It'll turn up on, it'll be all right on the night. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any worries in terms of your grandparents watching? Well, sadly, all my grandparents are looking down from above. Oh, okay. probably oh, going, so they'd be able to see anyway. Yeah, so I cannot see their reactions. <laughs> um, my mum and dad, yeah, for sure. Like, my mum and dad play bridge a lot and they were like, oh, we'll tell everyone at the bridge club that you're going to be on telly. And I was like, hmm... Maybe you ought to, because I was thinking, what do I do in the next episode? I certainly don't go into a station recap and do that. So I was like, maybe don't watch the first one. And then I think, so thankfully, because, oh God, I just... But my auntie Barbara, who is probably in her 60s, really loves Peep Show as a result of me doing it. So I kind of think you can judge the older generation, can't you? And go, oh, they'll probably hate it because it's got swearing in it. But because Peep Show's got really good jokes and it's wonderfully written, then I think people see past it. Yeah. So Dobby is, for anyone that hasn't seen it, you're kind of like an IT geek and also is into fighting fantasy games and role playing in that sense. And you've kind of become a bit of a pin-up for those people as a result. Well, that's great. I don't ever see any um, evidence of that because I don't Google myself a lot or anything. But my mum sometimes does and she goes, oh, there's some boys on a forum. I heard you got proposals on MySpace. Oh, I did, yeah, when the series came out. I got one proposal on MySpace and also a guy asked me to send him a picture of my feet in the bath but with my socks on under the water. (laughs) And his profile picture was of his feet. And I was like, no, (laughs) I haven't got a camera. Otherwise, I would have done definitely. That's very specific. I know, it's incredible. And then I got a marriage proposal in a pub, but they're all about 20s. Well, I mentioned on Twitter that I was interviewing you and someone said, will you ask Kissy if she'll marry me if I get a divorce? Oh, <laughs> so yeah. That was in brackets, but that was basically what. So you got one. That's sweet. But I mean, I guess the people who are into that kind of thing don't have that many pinups who they feel they can relate to in that way. No, and I'm so glad to become one. And you know, I'm not that far away from the character of Dobby. I can't do IT at all. If I ever have to do any scenes where I'm doing IT, I just press F5 loads in the sort of type a bit with the other hand but the fancy role-playing thing I did used to sort of do a little bit of that when I was 15 16 on a board though not on a computer I didn't have a computer yeah so you haven't been asked to do any like lads mag strips or anything no would you do it I don't think so (laughs) I'm quite happy to be the pin-up of people who are into wizards rather than people who are into nuts yeah nuts magazine not nuts I love nuts (laughs) maybe also they prefer a lady who keeps her clothes on yeah you've got to be mysterious you gain points from like what sword you've got and how fast you can run in a forest so that's what I'm happy about it went really well with Beach Show you got nominated for a British Comedy Award last year for what was best female comedian Um, newcomer yeah so Peep Show is on at the moment on Friday nights 10 o'clock on Channel 4 with TV stuff you've done some writing as well you're on the team for Skins yeah 
that's right. I did uh, the last series and we're doing this series at the moment. It's loads of fun. We get to eat donuts all day, but that's obviously not the best thing about it. <laughs> it's really cool. How does it work? Do you kind of sit around in a big room with lots of people throwing ideas around? Yeah, or? absolutely. We do that. We have writers meetings every week before it goes into production and a few more once it has. And we talk about, we get like a massive whiteboard and we write the names of each character and we plot, you know, their arcs and the series arcs. And um, we spend a lot of time doing that before the writers start writing their scripts and then each script is written by a different writer and I then advise on the comedy content but it's quite a loose I'm I'm called the comedy consultant but that is quite a loose term like everyone kind of mucks in really Are there ever specific bits that when you watch it you go oh that was my yeah, yeah. Jack O'Connell, who plays Cook, is such a fantastic actor. And I saw him in This Is England and just went, oh my God, he's amazing. He comes from near me. And there was a line that I wrote in, I think it was the first episode of last series, that he said, we had to say, let's eat grapes off each other. And when he said that, I was like, oh, that's my line. That's my line. It was cool. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a lot of fun. Skins are really good at taking on. A lot of people who work on it are really young and really talented. And I'm not, I'm the oldest by far in the room. And uh, they really take people on and nurture them where I think sometimes you wouldn't get the opportunity to learn so much that like they properly sort of mentor people it's brilliant also you you're in this new thing with alan davis yeah that's right it's called whites and it's about a restaurant and um i play a waitress called kiki and alan is like a celebrity chef and it's got darren boyd in it who was in saxon tale and smack the pony and stephen white who's a fantastic actor he's about to be in alan bennett's new play at the national so it was really good fun filming the pilot. I'm really excited about it. And is it that kind of feel of Saxondale where it's comedy? But Yeah, I guess to an extent, but it feels quite original. It's quite bizarre humour and a lot of it happens in the kitchen of the restaurant. And um, I really love the character that they've written for me and it was so much fun to film because we just all got on with each other really well. And it's written by Matt King, who plays Superhands in Peep Show, and Ollie Lansley, who wrote FM, and they're a really great couple of guys. So when can we see that? I don't know. I think we're going to film it next year, so I don't know when it will be on. But sooner rather than later, I hope, because I'll probably put on or lose loads of weight and then because we're using the pilot probably for some of the episodes. So that's the danger. You film it five years later and you're like, Wow, that person looks really old in all the other shots. Okay, so that's coming out. You're also going on tour. You've got loads of live dates yeah, yeah. coming up between now and the end of the year, which are on your MySpace, which just forward slash Izzy City. We'll plug it again. Before then, I got an idea, Izzy, and, and I it was a little more ambitious than I thought it would be. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> about this. Basically... I found out, and I really hope this is true, because if it isn't, it's going to be slightly ridiculous. Um, But you're a fan of lots of different kinds of music, and amongst the bands that you're a fan of, you're a fan of the Clint Boone experience. Yeah. Okay, amazing. So I decided I'd do a quiz with you, because Clint Boone, I don't know if you know, but does the Drive Time Show on XFM Manchester. Oh my God, okay. And so I've got a quiz for you, which involves Clint Boone. And then slightly ridiculously, because I needed someone to introduce him, Justin Lee Collins happened to be in, so I grabbed him. So there's some questions oh wow no I just have to say before we start um, I've got the Clint Boone Experience album with the kid with the Mohican on it and I absolutely love the music but I don't know very much about I'm just going to go for it that's fine Yeah. Okay. Okay. so we'll start then good afternoon and welcome to Are You Experienced please welcome your host Mr Clint Boone so here we go question one is it? You once had the experience of playing Marie Antoinette on CBBC. But well, how did the real Marie Antoinette cop for it? Um, did she have her head chopped off? Let's find out. Answer, she was beheaded at the guillotine. Yes! There you go. OK. Question two. Is it? 
You have the experience of playing Dobby in Peepshow, arriving in Series 5 where your character seduced Mark in a stationary cupboard. But by what name did Mark and Jez refer to that very stationary cupboard? Is it the Fuck Bunker? The answer is the Fuck Bunker. That's right, the Fuck Bunker. (laughs) (laughs) He was clearly quite amused by that, all right. Question three. Izzy, at the 2005 Edinburgh Fringe, you performed as part of infamous showcase The Comedy Zone with Matt Green and Mark Oliver. Which indie-heard comic was also on the lineup? Russell Kane. Answer, Russell Kane. Well done, all right. (laughs) Question four. Final question, Izzy. Izzy, you have the experience of being on the writing team for Skins Series 3 and 4. In those series, which comedian plays Effie's dad? Um, Harry Enfield. The answer is Harry Enfield. I would have got killed if (laughs) I'd got that wrong. Let's see how you did. Well done, Izzy. A full house, four points. And the lovely Marsha will now give you your prize, Izzy. Now, when it came to prizes, again, I had grand plans. I didn't realise how long this was going to take to put together. (laughs) So I had plans to go out and get you something else that I'd read you like, which was a salami. But then that didn't happen. (laughs) So you've got a choice of two prizes. I can't believe I even get a prize. This is more than I ever dreamed of. One of them was bought, but but we had about three minutes to buy it. And the other one was something that was given. So your choices. Either some chocolate cake which doesn't come in a box wow <laughs> or a very small bonsai tree can i have the bonsai tree you can have both if you want okay wow that's amazing <laughs> thank you so much um, there's another bit that clint recorded on the end that i forgot where he says goodbye shall i do it with the music yeah yeah, yeah okay. please okay izzy thanks for playing are you experienced with me clint boone of xfm manchester and in spiral carpets and the clint boone experience and Benji Benji. <laughs> nice one, Izzy. Uh, hope you're well and hope to meet you sometime. And uh, thank you for your support. Is that the right thing to say? Probably is. And good luck with your career as well. You're great. See you in a bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is wonderful. That is the best present I've ever had. Thank you. So, Peep Show at the moment, Friday nights on Channel 4. All your live dates are up on your MySpace, which is myspace.com forward slash Issy Sooty. And it's spelled I S Y. S-U-T-T-I-E. Yes. Izzy, thanks so much for coming It's in. a great pleasure. Thank you for the prizes. Thanks so much for listening. If you like that, you'll probably love the book that I put together with Deborah Francis-White called Off the Mic, The World's Best Stand-Up Comedians Get Serious About Comedy. So asking them things like, what's your writing process? How do you find your voice? What do you think about touring? How do you deal with hecklers? We interviewed 42 stand-ups, including Eddie Izzard, Sarah Millican, Phil Jupiter, Stuart Lee, Mark Maron. It's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. If you want to find out more, go to Yes Yes marsha.com forward slash off the mic.